On today's podcast, I am honored to introduce Paul Burleton for you guys. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. So, Paul, could you please tell us a little bit more about you and your background and what company you work for and most what jurisdictions you are based in? Yeah, of course. So I, my background, I did 20 odd years working in investment banking operations, various organisations, including uh, Lehman Brothers, who you, you, may, you may remember them. I left banking in about 2015, became a consultant. Um, I figured, you know, I left, I left banking, figured that uh, I needed to do something a little bit different. So I worked for a technology consultancy for a while, and then I've spent two years now working at Lysis Financial. So what we do at Lysis is we are specialist AML consultancy. We are based in the UK, but we have offices all over the place, including the US and across Europe, effectively two businesses. Uh, we have a consulting business where we advise clients on AML policy, procedures, operating models. Uh, we also help them implement KYC technologies and, you know, looking across the markets and assessments around regulatory technology as well. And then we have an operations business where we actually put KYC analysts um, on the ground, helping banks perform their obligations. And we also run a KYC and AML managed service. So how has the coronavirus affected your company and especially your team? Well, actually, yeah, so that's, that's really interesting. So obviously we were expecting quite a lot of disruption, but I'm actually really pleased to say that every single one of our people in our company who was working with our clients are all uh, continuing to work with clients. And we've seen no disruption to our business so far which has uh, been fantastic so very interesting actually um, I was pleasantly surprised uh, to find that all of our consultants are all completely 100% um, still working for um, our clients we're all you know we're a work from home company uh, we work anywhere we all have the technology to be able to support our clients and you know the, the main thing that we noticed was actually it was our clients who didn't have the remote access um, and we've been able to help them set that up and actually continue to support them. Why do you think it is, Paul, given we've survived bird flu, BCP practice scenario exercises the last few years, we should have been good and ready, at least at the initial stages of this. Why do you think so many financial institutions were caught off guard? That's a really interesting question. Yeah, I mean, I spent I spent 20 years of my career working for a bank, um, and I actually remember one of our BCP scenarios that we used to practice was a, was a pandemic. It's really interesting interesting seeing what's happened with this and the news stories very similar to um, an exercise that I did when I was working at one of my previous companies I, I think the biggest problem is it's the it's, it's always the type of incident we've seen lots of different incidents that have happened over the years um, you can prepare for all of the eventualities um, but unfortunately you know the actual nuances of what ends up happening are very different from what you planned for I think a complete shutdown and actually nobody able to be able to come into the offices is something that we probably haven't seen in this global nature before. I mean, this is completely unprecedented. And I think, um, you know, a lot of firms is really interesting, actually. One of the firms I used to work for um, had a massive uh, working from home policy. That company famously went bankrupt in 2008. You might remember it. 
And then I joined, um, I was in the US at the time, and so um, I joined Barclays as a result of the demise of Lehman's. And when I joined them, uh, we went from having a 70 to 80% remote access policy for all of our workers, and we then went back to almost only a 10 or 15% remote access ability. So it's amazing. Different firms plan for things in different ways, and I think you know some, some are readier or some are more ready than others, if you like. I think that's very interesting. And, and coming back to that, we have seen some of the uh, regulatory bodies you know, demanding its business as usual. Uh, the requirements is you know, still keeping the lights on, keeping all these um, controls in place, keeping the compliance function busy. Barfin has come out, did some good guidelines on you may work from home, keep on doing what you're doing. Transaction monitoring must continue. Any thoughts on that? So, yeah, I think that at the end of the day, the job still has to be done. Right? And this is the whole point from, of the FCA's focus on resilience is exactly for these types of situations. We've seen so many of them and so many different types of situations over the years that have affected um, organizations in different ways that you know you have to be able to react to those situations um, and react in a way that means that you're still regulatory compliant. One of the things that your firm does is these um, AML compliance program maturity assessments, if you like. But aligned to that, are you starting to think about how firms need to go about assessing their risk management programs and their compliance programs after all of this starts to die down? So, you know, I'm thinking and wondering what a regulators mm. and auditor is going to do. Are they going to give us some leeway when it comes time to do those on-site visits and those assessments? Well, we were thinking about this the other day, actually, and, you know, is, is, is this, you know, is this going to die down, as you say, or is this going to be some kind of new normal? We don't know, right? Um, how long it's going to last, we don't know. One of the things we have thought about is how are we going to change the way that we do assessments? Um, we've actually been talking to clients about um, how we can do reviews, how we can do maturity assessments, how we can do health checks, but how we can do them remotely. Um, and I think that's really important because, you know, you say doing site visits, going to visit clients, looking at what they're doing. What I think we've realized over the last week or so is a lot of that work can actually be done online. You can have these conversations like we're having now, but you can also see firstly what people are doing. You can also ask them pretty pertinent questions about what they're doing, but you can also do it with all of the information in front of you. What I like about this setup is, you know, I've got, you know, a screen over here with my iPad. I've got a screen over here with my, my phone. I've got my laptop here talking to you and looking at you, but I can have all of the pieces of information to ask all the right questions about what they're doing and how they're doing it. And I think that's something that we've really thought about. I'm something that we think is you know valid for both regulators and for firms like ourselves who are firms to become compliant. So Paul, let me ask you a little bit about your previous experience in global equities. Lots of people are talking about mm. the banks, but given everything that's happening in the markets now, is there a potential risk around market abuse or just panic behavior? 
Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I, I read, you know, I think uh, one of the small prints of one of the articles that the EU were looking at relaxing some of the rules around MIFID 2 and voice recording, given the situation of potentially traders, you know, working from home. Um, I was actually talking to one of the brokers today and they were saying, you know, obviously they love volatility brokers, right? So they're, uh, they're, they're lapping it up at the moment. But of course, what they're also seeing is a lot of traders have got very, very reduced risk limits because of the fact that they're sitting at home and they're not on the trading floor and not supervised in inverted commas, you know, in, in, in the same way as have been, you know, historically. So yeah, so so it is interesting. I think the volatility is still going to be there for a while until the markets calm down. You know, I think the worst thing that the markets or the thing that the markets hate the most is um, uncertainty. We saw that around Brexit. You know, we've seen that with other world incidents that have happened. And I think that once we know what this is going to look like and what the end is in sight, then we'll have a better idea of how the markets are going to end up looking like. Obviously, the biggest problem is going to be liquidity, right? It always is. Any any type of these events, as I said, you know, I lived through the Lehman crisis. Liquidity is what killed us. Liquidity is 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 what's been an issue for the markets previously, and the, the scarcest resource, right? My background is also in, in the securities industry, so I would love to ask you if you see a risk of enhanced internal fraud. Yeah. So yeah, it is a risk, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Um, so I think you know if you think, if you look back to some of the market abuse scandals mm. in the past, because now um, you can't really supervise you know, them. Well, that's the question, isn't it? Right. At the end of the day, most firms should have the technology to supervise and oversee all of the activities of their trading and salespeople. Right. You know that that's, exactly. that's part of what you know Mar brought in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's part of what Mifid Two has brought. In. Um, Definitely. So, you know, everybody should have that capability. Yeah. And it shouldn't Should. be any different. The fact that I've got an iPad by the side of here, mm. not connected to my PC. Mm. What I'm doing on my iPad while I'm talking to you, you can't see and you can't monitor because mm. it's not on the firm systems. Exactly. Obviously, in a bank, you can, you can manage that because you mm. can ban those types of devices on the floor or you can have some way of, of monitoring them. Yeah. So, just a little bit curious, have you spotted or seen any other type of financial crime, new movements or um, threats lurking in the shallow waters? I think it's a bit early to tell, isn't it? This, this is the problem, right? You know, have, have we seen anything that's suspicious, that's out of the ordinary, that we wouldn't have seen? You know, maybe we've seen you know things that we perhaps wouldn't have seen that some some can be explained by the volatility you know so so volumes of transactions and numbers of transactions are very different from what you would have seen in a normal course of business you know have i seen anything specific or any specific type of activity that would make me suspicious of any other type of fraud going on i don't know i've have had a few phishing emails myself you know asking me for information information about um you know things that perhaps uh, you know wouldn't have been asked previously you know wherever there's you know wherever there's opportunity there's going to be criminals right so paul who are you at home with at the moment nope. so how are you finding concentrating uh, so this is an interesting one i've had quite a few conversations with, with people about this because obviously i've got a lot of people who i work with who have you know, one or two bedroom apartments or flats and, you know, the, the, the distractions that they get, 
you know, I was on a conference call the, um, earlier today and somebody's three-year-old son came and joined our conference call, which was amusing for about, you know, a few seconds, but uh, got a little bit uh, distracting after a while. So I'm, I'm lucky. My kids are a little bit more grown up. They're a little bit more respectful of my space. My challenge is actually giving them something useful to do, given that their exams have all been cancelled. But I do have, you know, I'm, I'm actually quite used to working from home. So, you know, I spend quite a lot of time working from home. I have a good setup here. I have my own office space. Uh, when the door is shut, that means, uh, that basically means do not disturb. Uh, what generally happens is I get text messages asking me uh, what I want for lunch or dinner or whether I want coffee or anything like that. So that's quite nice. But that's, that's generally how we work here. So. Well, on that note, Paul, I think we're going to close off this podcast. So can yeah. I thank you so much for taking out the time this evening to uh, chat with us and hope that you all stay well at your family. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. And if you would like to join us, well, send us an email on LinkedIn or send us a note on our website, captivatedaudience.eu. It's been a pleasure to have you listening into this podcast and please stay safe. Some changes, man.